This is the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to reduce public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. So welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast. Hey, if you guys are listening to us on iTunes or the Google Play Store or any of the other podcasting machinery out there, uh, make sure and subscribe to us so that you get new episodes every single week. If you happen to be on the Fearless Presentation website, and you're and you're um, looking for information about how to design a presentation, there will be a little link underneath this podcast that will give you a, an option to go to the podcast notes. I'd encourage you to do that because we're going to be covering a lot of stuff in an auditory way, but um, this is one of going to be the one of the few podcast presentations that it'll be important to kind of see the notes on because we're going to give you a lot of data. Um, one of the things that we're going to do on this particular podcast is we're going to kind of take you behind the scenes of kind of what I do as a public speaking coach. When I'm designing sessions for a for a, a company or for a specific person that I'm doing coaching with, these are some of the things that I kind of go through in order to help me create content for my, my programs and that kind of thing. So I'll take you through some of those things. Um, what we're going to kind of do, just like we do every week, we're going to do a, a tech find. And then the topic for this week's presentation is going to be how to actually design a presentation quickly. So most people will spend hours and sometimes days or even weeks designing their presentation. And a lot of times they don't feel real comfortable about it when they get the presentation written. So we're going to try to speed up that process for you and make you feel a whole lot more comfortable in that process. So let's get started with this week's Tech Find. Tech Find. High-tech gadgets to make your presentations better. So the Tech Find this week is a website called Canva, C-A-N-V-A dot com. And uh, out of all the different things that I use in creating um, uh, PowerPoint slideshows and Prezi presentations and all that kind of stuff, Canva is probably my most used source for, for content. Uh, the reason why Canva is, um, in layman's terms, it's a, it's a way to, to uh, create visual aids that are fantastic looking without being a designer. So I am a designer by no means, but I use it and can create some really, really cool kind of stuff. The reason why is because Canva has, it's just got a bunch of templates that you can use. So basically if you're, if you're looking for a specific image to go on a slide, you can do that. If you're looking for something for a Facebook post, you can you can do that. Um, uh, they they also have a ton of like stock images in uh, in the service itself. Now some of the stock images are going to charge you a buck or or so to to kind of use. Um, one of the things that I like to do is I, I mentioned last week that I use Shutterstock as my stock image uh, content or stock image uh, source anyway. And one of the things that you can do is you can take some of those stock photos that you've purchased somewhere else and upload them to your Canva account. And when you do, you can kind of use those over and over again and, and create really customized images. So basically, you can take a, a stock photo and then add things to it or add terms to it or add, add um, uh, uh, you know, basically anything you want. It, it's just up to your own creativity. Uh, to as to what you can you can add to it. Now you can also add your own image, your own uh, logos, and that kind of thing as well. So 
Um, I, I'll give you a good example of how I've used this recently. I, I we we recently kind of recreated our PowerPoint slideshows for our classes in, uh, using Prezi, which, by the way, is a fantastic a new type of PowerPoint. It's a new, it's a it's a newer source for uh, creating visual aids for your slide decks for your for your presentation, and it's really geared more toward the types of presentations that that we're going to teach you how to design here on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Um, so it's it's very helpful. So when I switched over though, uh, I needed some really good looking images to put into the new Prezi slideshow or to put into the new Prezi uh, presentation deck anyway. And uh, and I was able to pretty much use just about any everything that I needed was available by creating it on Canva in just a couple of minutes. So it was a really fast, easy easy way to kind of do that. Um, in addition to putting pictures in your slide deck and stuff like that. One of the other great things that you can use Prezi for is if you, let's say you want to do a handout for your audience. Well, a lot of times folks just want to print their slides out as their, as their handouts. And I, I don't really encourage that by the way, I, the, the, the slide deck shouldn't really have a whole lot of, of emphasis without the actual speaker. But if you could, but if you want to create a, a specific handout or maybe even like an infographic, you know, just like a one page handout with a summary of your presentation, you can do that in a couple of minutes uh, using, using Canva. So it makes it really easy to kind of do that. And then later on, if you're, if you're, um, if you're doing like professional presentations and you want to, Give people access to a to an ebook or something like that. Then you actually you can create those on on Canva as well. So there's just a ton of different things that you can do on this particular website. It's very very helpful to presenters and to speakers, and uh, and I would encourage you to use it uh, use it a lot because <laughs> you, you like I said you're only limited by your creativity and the things that you can create on Canva. By the way, if you have a a a, um, a tech find of your own that you want to let us know about it, uh, let us know about. Just email me at pod podcast at fearlesspresentations.com and maybe one of your tech finds will show up on one of our future podcasts. Tech five. High tech gadgets to make your presentations better. So Doug, what's today's hot topic? So today's hot topic is how to design a presentation from scratch from start to finish in just a few minutes. So and basically this is any type of presentation. So whether this is a five minute presentation, a 30 minute presentation, an hour long presentation, a motivational seminar, a training program, you can design any presentation very quickly as long as you start with the structure, as long as you start with a, a really good structure. So we're going to go through the step by step process that I use when I design presentations, and hopefully you'll be able to get some good value out of it as well. Um, but I'm referring you very early in this session or in this podcast to the the uh, podcast notes. And if you so, if you have access to the internet, go to uh, fearlesspresentations.com/podcast3, and that's going to give you an outline of of some of the things I'm going to cover here. It, it it can be very helpful if you follow along because. There's a specific graph or a specific chart that we have at the top that really makes the the designing of a presentation much more quickly and easily to get it to get a grasp on anyway. And in that chart, basically what I've done is I've I've kind of I've kind of thought about all of the different types of presentations possible that somebody could could deliver or to, could be trying to design. And I put it into a chart format to kind of show you what kind of structure you can use. For each one of those types, because I've had, you know, over the years, I've had people come into my classes. I say, hey, Doug, I need to learn how to design. I want to be a motivational speaker. So how do I design a really good motivational talk? And somebody else would come in and say, well, you know, I'm 
I'm in the military, so I have to give briefings. So how do you do a briefing? And have other people that would come that come up to me and they say, well, I'm in sales. So how do you give a good sales presentation? And other folks just say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I've got a wedding toast coming up. How do I do that? I have no idea how to do that, right? So every one of those different types of, of presentations all follow a very similar structure. The difference is the, t- the amount of content and the type of content that we put into that structured format. So, and the chart kind of explains it a little bit. So if you're looking at the, the chart on, on the, the podcast notes, if you look on the far right-hand side, you're going to see a like a, a triangle that uh, kind of co- shows how much of an emotional value the presentation is supposed to have. And if you go all the way to the right hand side, you've got a triangle that that um, starts over the, on the right hand side that has the amount of content. Right. So these things are inversely related. So the, the more content that you put in a presentation the less of an emotional impact it's going to have and vice versa. The more emotional impact, the less content that you're going to have. Now, just keep in mind that most of the time when I'm putting in what I call an emotional impact, most of the time we're going to use examples or stories to, to do that. And, and we'll kind of cover that in a little bit more detail later, but let me kind of give you an idea of, of how this works. So let's, let's say we're on the, the far left-hand side, and we're giving a presentation that is basically, th- those would be presentations that are mainly for entertainment value, or they're, they're to elicit an emotional response. So, and in, when I say emotion, a lot of times, th- I mean, there's a lot of different types of emotion that we could be trying to, to, um, to get our audience to experience. Like for instance, let's say we want to have a give a humorous talk. Well, that emotion that we're trying to get that, that humor is an emotion that we're trying to get the, the person to experience. Or if we're giving a eulogy, you know, it's 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 sadness or or um, a, a different type of emotion anyway, right? So um, you can the the emotion that you're trying to pull out might be drama. You know, you might be trying to dramatize something. So those are really the uh, different types of emotions that a presentation can can really elicit in the audience and. And so if you're on that far left-hand side, that would be the main purpose. So some of those on the in the column that's on the far right-hand side are going to be talks like I mentioned before, like a eulogy or uh, an, an after-dinner dinner presentation or, you know, something where it's light, it might be humorous, it might be funny, or or it's, it's there to elicit some type of emotional response. It's not there to kind of teach anybody anything. We're not really there to... to um, to try to get people to do anything differently. Mainly, it's it, the purpose is more for an entertainment value of some kind or another, right? Um, if you go a little bit further over, though, this is where um, it starts. At, we start to add in a little bit more content, and in the um, in the next column, you're going to see things like motivational speeches or or um, you know things uh, speeches where uh, or maybe it's a team building workshop or something like that right it's it, these are these are situations where we're mainly wanting to get entertainment value out of it but we also want to have some content there we wanted to we want people at the end of that presentation to be inspired or motivated or to um, to think highly of that presentation that that they just went through right so so basically, in those types of presentations, we'll give more content, a little bit of content anyway, but we're still going to give lots of examples and stories and, and still try to elicit that emotional response in people. When you get to the middle part of the chart, that's when there's a, a real fine balance between the content or the data that we're delivering and 
the examples, the stories, or the or the emotional content. Um, there, this is where you're getting to things like sales presentations or a presentation where you're trying to get people to to create a behavior change. So it could be training, but more often than not, these are going to be presentations that are that are we're trying to do problem solving. You're trying to get a, a get gain buy-in from from an audience. So we're we're giving them an idea and wanting the audience to say, "Oh my goodness, that's a good idea. That's fantastic!" Right. So. Uh, by the way, this is where most of the business presentations that that uh, that you'll deliver will kind of fall is in that middle section where there's a balance between the emotional content and the and the or the emotional impact items and the and the content of the presentation as well. Now, as you move further over to the right, now we're getting into more of the of the knowledge type of programs. So things like seminars, workshops. You know, we want the 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 main purpose of there starts to switch a little bit to where it's it's not the balance anymore. Now we're trying to get more content. We're trying to get more knowledge. We're trying to create a a a skill development of some kind, maybe. And in those kind of situations, the knowledge is a little bit more important than the entertainment value. But we want those to be entertaining and interesting as well, right? So there's there's still some of that entertainment value in there. And then when you get all the way to the far right, now you're into more of a lecture or a or a briefing or or something where it's the the content is most important. And sometimes the, that content needs to be very brief. And so we want to you know get to the point, give us the content, and let's get out of here kind of thing, right? So that's uh, those types of presentations. So. Um, one of the things that we figured out over the years is that if you want to design a really, really good presentation, if you put a bunch of content, it doesn't matter how good you are as a presenter, the more content that you put in, the less interesting it's going to be for the the audience. I and mean, when was the last time you went to a lecture and left the lecture going, oh, my God, that was awesome. Woo, man. Fantastic. Boy, I can't wait to go back to another lecture, right? So, I mean, that's not really or a briefing and we're saying, oh my goodness, man, that was exciting. I can't wait to put some of this stuff into action, right? So, so um, in the business world, when we're trying to design presentations, we tend to want to stay, you know, pretty far away from the lecture style. And so we want to get into the kind of the midpoint. So um, if you're still looking at the chart, the um, when you go from from left to right, basically that means that the number of examples or stories that you're going to use will start to decrease per bullet point. And then when you go from right to left, the number of bullet points kind of decrease and they'll meet right in the middle to where you have kind of an equal number of bullet points and stories and examples and other types of, of what we call impact ideas in there uh, for the, for that balance. So. So like, for instance, if you're, if you're doing a lecture or, um, or a briefing, you know, basically we're, you, we would suggest that you cover no more than, than four or five different items and cover those items very quickly. It's basically we're just there to kind of get an information, get information across to the audience. A, a good example of this is, is like for my company, we have, um, we have about every other week or so we'll do a conference call. We, I have instructors and salespeople all over the United States and Canada. And, and what we'll do on Monday mornings every other week is we'll call in to a conference call number and we'll just kind of discuss, hey, these are things that are going out, going in the company. These are events that we have coming up. These are uh, open um, events that need an instructor and, you know, stuff like that. So basically kind of some kind of nuts and bolts thing. It's a, it's an information sharing type of, of presentation. And for the most part, those are fairly easy to kind of design. 
as long as you keep the number of bullet items fairly short. Most of the time, we're going to cover maybe three or four things, and that's it. So we'll, we'll our 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 um, you know conference calls might last ten minutes, fifteen minutes. Sometimes we might go into a little bit more detail and and cover things in more in um, in in a more thorough kind of way. But more often than not, it's, hey, these are things that are going on. Do you have any questions? Okay, let's go. Let's go get to work, right? So it's a very simple kind of presentation style. Um, so that would be the ones that are on kind of the far right. You're, you're sharing information. By the way, this doesn't mean that you totally eliminate all of the emotional stuff and the more interesting kind of things. Like, for instance, a lot of times at the end of those conference calls that I was talking about a few minutes ago, we'll share kind of good news. We'll, we'll have an opportunity for somebody to kind of tell us, about an event that they did last week that was just awesome and everybody enjoyed it and that kind of thing. So it basically brings back in a single example or a couple of different examples that we can use to kind of build rapport with each other and that kind of thing. So so um, we've gotten all of the content out of the way and now we're putting in just a little bit of that emotional kind of stuff, the, the uh, interesting stuff, the stories and examples and things. Um, so when you move back over toward the left, the next slot is more like the training programs or workshops or seminars. Those things are a little bit more challenging because because we still want to have some interesting content in there, but we also want to make sure that that we're covering the, the data that needs to be covered in order to make sure that people kind of create a behavior change or learn a skill. So like, for instance, when we put together our training programs, like when I'm delivering a two-day uh, fearless presentations class or a one-day coaching session or if I'm doing some one-on-one training with with a um, with a person for public speaking a lot of times I'm going to focus on the the uh, three four five most important things that that person needs to pick up on or that audience needs to pick up on in public speaking for their for their area and then um, for so let's, let's say for instance I've got a whole day to to work as a, in a workshop well I might design, divide that day into four component parts. I might spend an hour and a half in the morning on one spe- specific bullet point. I might spend an hour and a half the the second half of the morning after I've taken a break on another key skill set and then do the same thing in the afternoon with two other kind of bullet points. So I can cover four different pieces of content and and uh, and cover them in a way that makes it much more interesting for the folks and get them to uh, a chance to kind of internalize that content. So uh, so once I have those four bullet points, I just kind of figure out what specific uh, impact ideas or specific things will help get those points across. Sometimes that might be activities or stories or uh, audience participation or analogies, you know, different things like that that I can put into the content to make the content really kind of come alive. So um, as you move further over, now you're into like the sales presentations or the persuasive speeches or, and you know, I keep saying sales, but in, in reality, this is when I say sales, it's not just somebody selling a product to a, to a customer. More often than not, when we're doing sales presentations in, in the corporate world or in the business world, it's because we have an idea that we're trying to get our peers to buy into. So we have a we, we've come up with something that we think will be a benefit and we need to sell that idea to our to our um, our, our peers or um, our co-workers that kind of thing so that that's that's just as much a sales presentation as somebody who's going out to a customer's office and presenting a a, a slideshow or, or a sales pitch of some kind so so they're and, and they're designed in a similar way and now this is where we want more of a balance so 
in a sales presentation, we always suggest that you kind of limit your content to maybe three items, you know, three different bullet points, three things that you want to, that, um, that the audience is most interested in. And when you're designing these types of presentations, the hard part is taking yourself and putting, putting yourself in the shoes of the person that's sitting in the audience and saying, what does this person really want? Like um, going to like a product sales, you know, let's say I'm going to be selling a, a, a widget to somebody and I say, you should buy this widget because it has this, this and this. Right. So those are that's the old um, what we call feature benefit types of sales. Here's the feature of my widget and here's the benefit that you'll receive if you buy this from me. Right. I mean, it's kind of old-fashioned. doesn't work very well, by the way. Um, a better way to design a sales presentation is, is to say, if I'm one of these people sitting in the audience, what problem do I have that this product or this service or my idea will be able to solve for this person? You know, what is happening right now that's causing this person a challenge or this, that's causing this person to, to have um, uh, a, uh, a negative effect, Right. And if I can figure out what that thing is and I can show them how if they do the thing that I'm asking them to do, if they buy my product or if they embrace my idea or if they follow through on the advice that I'm giving them, then they will fix that problem. Then the presentation takes on a whole new life. It makes it a whole lot more interesting for that person. Um, I, I, I give you an example. I was years and years ago. I was uh, I was asked to give a. Um, this was actually right at the at the very beginning of the recession in two thousand seven, two thousand eight or so, and I was asked to give a, a presentation to the um, Society of Human Resource Managers in the, the Fort Worth area, and at the time. The folks that were in human resources were really under the gun because since the economy was down, their budgets were getting cut left and right. And so part of their their um, their challenge was that they still have to provide training, but their training budget is getting cut. Right? They, we still have to, to attract um, high-quality employees to our company, but our budgets are being cut. So basically, I... I, I since I knew that was a challenge that they were going through, I designed my presentation to them based on what they were looking for. And I showed them three things that they could do to help get the executives to increase their, their training budget. And, and by designing the presentation that way on what they wanted, it made it much more interesting for me to now pull examples from my own personal experience or pull examples from clients that had helped in the past that had been able to do this. And it made, and it made more fun and more interesting for them. You can do the same thing with your presentations as well. Think about what the audience really wants and design the content of the audience, uh, the content of the presentation, the bullet points and those kind of things based on what the, the audience uh, is looking for, based on the benefits that those audience, the audience members will receive. So, so, so in the midsection there where we're dealing with persuasive kinds of presentations, um, you really want to, you know, like I said, limit your bullet points about three and then give maybe one or two stories or examples under each bullet point. Maybe throw in an analogy just to make it just to add some some showmanship. Um, if you have the opportunity to do some type of audience participation, that can be very helpful as well. You know, to get the audience involved in the presentation, it's not always applicable to the type of presentation that we're delivering, but it can be very helpful anyway. So 
So that's the, the midsection. As we go further over, now we're into more of the motivational, the inspirational types of presentations. So, so um, I'm not necessarily trying to get people to create a behavior change in these, but I want them to feel good. I want them to feel better about themselves. I want them to feel more confident in in a, a skill that they're they're going to, to be doing or something like that, right? So I'm trying to motivate them. I'm trying to inspire them. I'm trying to get them to a higher level of achievement. So in order to do that, the best way to do that is to limit your content to just a few key items, maybe one or two items now instead of three or four like we've done in the, in the previous uh, presentations and give more examples, a lot more examples, especially success stories or stories related to things that, uh, that reinforce the, the, the concept that I'm trying to get across. So let's say, for instance, I'm designing a motivational speech and I'm doing it on goal setting, right? So um, if, if, if I've only got a, a few bullet points that I can cover in, uh, in goal setting, you know, bullet point number one might be you should probably have goals, right? You should probably set goals. Uh, and then bullet point number two would be maybe a step-by-step process that folks can go through in order to accomplish that goal that they've now set. So that may be the only two things that I cover. And I may, I could spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes or even an hour talking about those two things and just giving a ton of examples uh, um, related to each one of those things. So when I when I talk about the um, the that we should have goals, then I might give examples from my own life that I set a goal and I was able to accomplish something. And I might uh, um, give another example of, you know, somebody from his history that um, was kind of floundering. And then uh, all of a sudden something motivated that person to kind of create a new goal. And as a result, that, that kind of that took on shape. I might use some analogies and that kind of thing. I, like, for instance, one of the things that I do when I'm, um, when I'm giving a, a goal-setting presentation um, is that I, I actually pull an example from some, something from my, my personal life and use it as an analogy to, um, to, uh, to the, the, the bullet point that I'm trying to make or the, the theme that I'm trying to get across to, to the audience. Like, for instance, in the goal setting, I, I remember back when I was first starting uh, doing training programs, I, had, uh, I, I worked for a, a big training company in Dallas, but I lived in an apartment complex in, in Arlington. Again, I'd only been working for the, for the company for maybe six months or so. And I had this old beater of a car that I was, I mean, I was really saving up to, to make sure that I can invest in, in myself and my growth and that kind of thing. And uh, so I'm, I'm in this really cheap apartment complex. And as I'm walking out to the, to the, the car, just about to open the door, I look and there's a, there'd been a, a rainstorm the night before. And there was still a puddle of water in the in the little it's like a pothole in the in the middle of the parking lot. And I kind of looked, and I didn't think much of it, but I looked, and there was this moth. It was a big, huge, oversized moth, and it was kind of flopping around. It was an ugly thing, you know. It wasn't like I was wanted to help it or anything, but it was kind of flopping around because its wings had gotten wet. It was flopping around, and it was going in circles, trying to trying to get out of the water. And and again, you know, I'm kind of busy, so I didn't really do anything. I get in the car and and uh, drive to the office. Uh, later that day, when I come home, I'm coming home about you know five thirty six o'clock at night. I look down, and the sun's still up, and I look down to that that pothole, and that moth is still there except now it's dead i'm like oh man because it hit me that that poor moth if he did i mean he can fly out of there right so all he really had to do was pick a spot on the horizon and just keep swimming or keep flapping his wings toward that spot and he would have been fine but because he was kind of floundering he kept going off in different directions over and over and over again and that's gets one of the things that happens to us when we are uh, when we don't have goal set, it's that we keep floundering, we keep flopping around. We, we're doing a lot of activity, but we're not really getting anywhere. And eventually, 
we die, right? Eventually we die not having accomplished those, those goals that we, that we could have accomplished, right? So, um, so I mean, that's, like I said, that's a little, um, quick little story that I've, that I've told for years on, uh, on goal setting. And, and it's really applicable. I can use that as an analogy now, uh, after telling a story about how to set goals and how that's been accomplished and helped me accomplish things in my life and that kind of thing, right? So, so basically when you get motivational speeches, it's important to, Give lots of examples, give lots of metaphors, analogies, um, uh, things that are kind of fun and interesting. Remember, the entertainment value is now going up exponentially. So we want the presentation to be more entertaining, not just uh, not just knowledge field. Right. And then as we go to the far side, when we're getting to the on the, the left hand side of the of the, the chart, now we're moving into more of the emotional kind of talks or the entertainment talks or yeah, I want to say entertainment, but it's not like, for instance, a eulogy is one of these kind of talks, but it's not really entertaining. It's it's emotional, right? It's it's um, a um, um, uh, a a thriller um, at a, um, uh, at a at a play or at a at a theater is uh, is not. I mean, it's it is entertaining, but it's 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 dramatic, right? So it's it's a different type of emotion. So all of these are on that far. Uh, left-hand side of the of the of the chart when you're designing your presentation. So, um, I, I'll give you an example. In this one, by the way, what we're looking for is we're looking for maybe one theme, and then a bunch of examples to back it up. So it's very similar to a motivational speech, but it's more focused. It's focused on maybe one thing versus two or three or four things, right? So it's, it's, it's um, um, a, a good example of this from my own life is, was uh, when my, my dad passed away earlier this year. And um, uh, so at his funeral, I was, um, I was given his eulogy. And, you know, here I am, I'm a, I'm a professional speaker. I've done, I do hundreds of speeches every year. I mean, getting up and giving a speech is not that hard to do. However, when you're typically the types of presentations I'm giving are in that middle quadrant. Now I'm on that far left-hand side that was a little outside my expertise. And so, so um, I went back to the original structure of the presentation and said, okay, so if I only focused on one thing in this five minutes or so that I'm going to be giving a eulogy at my dad's funeral, what would be the one thing if, if I had to sum up, um, you know, the, the, the greatness of my dad, what, what would it be? And the thing that, that popped into my, my head right away was um, that my dad was a really good Christian, right? My, my dad lived a very moral and, and just life um, and, and followed God's laws and that kind of thing. So, so um, by focusing on that, I never really had to say that in the eulogy. All I really had to do was pull out two or three stories from my experience and, and kind of share those with the with the uh, the crowd at the, at the funeral, um, one that uh, the uh, one that that kind of popped up that I thought was that was really fitting was I still remember this. I'm, I mean, I'm 40, not 40 something years old anyway now. So, but back when I was about five or six, so this is about forty years ago. Um, I was uh, um, I I some something dramatic had happened in my in my income gaining world because uh, back then back when I was a kid I used to be able to turn in Coke bottles to the grocery store and they'd give you like a dime or a quarter whatever it was back then for the for the empty Coke bottles. Well, um, the Coca Cola company and the other soft drink companies started getting away from the glass um, renewable bodies and uh, bottles 
and um, and started moving more toward aluminum cans. And so, um, so my little brother, Daniel, he was like four at the time, and I was probably six. And we used to go to the little convenience store down by our, by our house, and we just kind of dig through the garbage. We'd find two, three, four of these, these uh, Coke bottles a day, and we'd take them right into the convenience store and, and trade them in for, for some coins. And a lot of times we'd be able to buy candy and stuff. Well, when the when the Coca Cola company kind of changed their their um, their uh, their structure <laughs> a little bit, it made it to where we couldn't do that anymore. So I was looking for some ways to get money, and um, I I realized that every afternoon my dad would come in and empty his pocket out on his on his um, his nightstand, and it, he always had a bunch of coins, and I, and so. I knew that if I walked into my dad's bedroom and stole money from him and got caught, I'd be in serious trouble. But Daniel, since he was only like four years old and he didn't really know any better, if he got caught, you know, they just tell him not to do it again, right? So so basically, I sent my little brother into dad's room and, and had him go take some coins. I told him to come back with some coins. He came back and he had a penny in his hand, which is, you know, one cent was worth yeah, it's not worth anything now, but it was pretty much the same back then. It wasn't worth a whole lot. So I, was, I sent him back and said, no, no, go get something bigger. And so he came back, and the second time he had a nickel. And uh, so um, I was like, no, no, come on. You, you gotta, this is still not enough. We can't do anything with this. So go back one more time. So he goes back in one more time, and he pulls back another penny in because he really liked the color of that one. Right? So, so, I, no, so Daniel's been into my dad's bedroom. He's been in three times. He's gotten three coins. He hasn't gotten caught. He's not very sneaky. So I'm thinking, you know, the coast is probably pretty clear. So I go sneaking in my dad's bedroom, and and um, and he's, you know, I see that the pile of chains there. And, I and you know, I grab a couple of quarters. I don't be too greedy. I got one quarter for me, one quarter for Daniel, and I start to walk out. And when I, when I, when I do, I'll notice that my dad's billfold is on the nightstand, right? And... Uh, and it's stuff, I mean, we were pretty poor, but we lived about 30 miles from the closest bank. So dad always had, you know, cash with him. So he had a bunch of ones and a few, you know, fives and tens, maybe a couple of twenties, but wasn't a whole lot. But it was still enough that I figured he probably hadn't counted at all. Right. So I opened up the billfold. I grabbed one dollar out and put everything right back, put all the quarters back, put everything back where, where, where I got it. So I wouldn't, you know, raise any kind of suspicion. And as I'm starting to walk out the door, I went, boom, and I ended up hitting my dad's stomach he was standing at the door watching me the whole time and I'm thinking oh man this is this is not good because although my dad was a very fair and just kind of guy uh, he was not a time out kind of guy <laughs> so I knew that this is probably going to end up in a whooping or something like that right so but what my dad did at that point was he used that as a teaching moment. And he, he sat me down on his bed, sat next to me, put his arm around me, and he told me a story about when he was in the Army. He said that when he was in the Army, he he um, uh, he and his buddy had a weekend pass, and they um, they rode, they drove one of the base Jeeps into, into town. And the, the rule was is that if you, you could use the, the Jeeps, they didn't mind, the base didn't mind, but as long as you filled up the gas tank on the way back, well, since my dad's buddy worked at the motor pool, they decided that they would just fill up the gas tank when they got back at the motor pool and it would save them, you know, whatever it was, about 25 cents or so worth of, worth of gasoline or, or gas money anyway. So so anyway, as they're filling up that, that 25 cents worth of, of gas, the MP stop and ask them what they're doing and, and ended up taking my dad into custody, put him in handcuffs and, and took him into custody. And what my dad was saying, what my dad told me was that in the army, it didn't really matter whether you still 10 cents or 25 cents 
with $25,000, right? It's, it's the theft that's a crime. And, and he said that he could have been put away in a federal penitentiary for up to 20 years for, for stealing that little bit of gas. And he said, luckily, he had an understanding commanding officer that let him off with a reprimand and, and you know, nothing really got on the record. So, so he actually got off really easy, but it scared him enough to, to know that he was never going to do anything like that again. And I'm sitting there looking. I still got the dollar in my hand. I'm thinking, good God, if you get... 20 years for 20 cents, 25 cents. What the heck do you get for a dollar, right? So, so basically, um, um, Dad was using that moment as a way to kind of teach me morals. He was teaching me to um, to be a better person, right? And so, I just kind of relayed that story at, at his funeral. It's one of the stories that I told us at his funeral, and it gave a really good picture as to what kind of guy my dad really was, right? So again, those are things that when you share stories like that, they're emotional, they're they're um, inspirational, they're kind of motivational. So those are the kind of things that you can kind of pull out if you're if you're giving a motivational speech or an inspirational speech, or if you're in the um, the area that we're in right now, which is the entertainment type of speech where you you're giving a short little speech on, you know, maybe two, three, four, five minutes or so, and you're giving stories to to, to prove it. So anyway, so those are, hopefully that, that gives you a little bit of idea about how to kind of take, how to structure your presentation in future sessions. We'll kind of talk about stories in more detail and how to, how to come up with just the right story, just the emotional story that's going to help you get your idea across. We're also going to show you how stories are a good way to be persuasive. You know, how do you get win people to your way of thinking? You can use stories as a, as a good way to do that. And we'll cover a lot of other material and start to, uh, and we've got in the next couple of weeks, we have some really big interviews with some, with some folks that, um, one of the interviews that we have set up is with a, a guy out of uh, Europe who uh, trains people on how to do international speeches. So I know that's one of the big things that comes up in my classes all the time where folks will say, you know, how do you give a presentation? How do you design a presentation for a group of international people where, you know, English is, is maybe their second language or sometimes third language? So, so how do you kind of deliver presentations in that kind of situation? So, um, so he'll be, we'll be interviewing him. We've also got a guy that does, um, he's really good at designing uh, online courses. He's got an online study course for public speaking, and and um, he's going to share with us how he um, t- how he takes this enormous amount of content and and puts it in digestible pieces so that it makes it interesting for people in the short term and turn it into an online city course. So if you do webinars or anything like that, that's going to be a good one to kind of listen to. So make sure and, and subscribe to the podcast so that you keep in tune with all these new things that are coming out and keep up with the new technology when we do our, our tech finds every single week. So we'll see you on the next Fears Presentations podcast. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.